www.lastchanceark.com podcast. Seven messages to help you establish your relationship with Jesus Christ. In our previous podcasts, we focused mainly on good and bad leadership. In this podcast, we want to focus on ugly leadership, and to do so, we're going to look at the priesthood versus kings. Recall what I said is that we are being trained as Christians to be kings and priests, so we have to look at the leadership of priests as well as kings. There's three priests that I want to focus on to determine what's the difference between ugly leadership among priests and good leadership among priests. Those men are Korah, Eli, and of course Jehoiada. Probably the ugliest leader in the Old Testament is Korah, and Korah had fellow conspirators. Now Korah was the cousin of Moses and Aaron. The problem he had is that he was envious. He wanted to know why he was not permitted to go into the tabernacle and offer incense and to get close to God. But he had not been chosen in the Old Testament system by God to be the high priest. So, he was a guy that began to recruit fellow conspirators, and there were two key guys from the tribe of Reuben that he recruited. Their names were Dothan and Abiram. Now, recall that God specified a camping arrangement around the tabernacle. In front of the eastern gate was the tribe of Levi. They were permitted to enter into the straight gate. They had to do the work of the tabernacle. They carried the furniture when the spirit would move, when the fire of God and the cloud would move the tent from one location to another. And of course, Korah and his family were Kohaths. They were part of that, but they were delegated to move furniture, okay? To vacuum the carpet at the church, so to speak. To go on outreach, to win souls and teach Bible studies. But he wasn't satisfied with that. He wanted to be in charge. He was a wealthy man, and he began to recruit co-conspirators. And so, by the time it was all done, they had recruited 250 rebels. Now, keep in mind, Dothan and, and Abiram were the two guys that complained all the time when they left Egypt, that you've taken us out of the land of milk and honey, you know, you brought us to this place to destroy us. They were complainers. Listen. Um, when I first came into the church, I hadn't been in the church more than six months, and one of the board members, uh, as I recall, invited me to his house for a fellowship. And he and his wife were considered great tithers, great contributors, soul winners, all kinds of positive things. But he didn't like the pastor and felt like the pastor was not qualified to lead a big church, and that's what he wanted, a big church. And so... He was trying to recruit me and my wife to be part of their conspiracy. And of course, uh, I wasn't very knowledgeable at the time, but I had a lot of experience in corporate politics and I understood what was going on. And my statement was, well, we need to pray for the existing pastor to help him grow if, he, if this church is going to grow that large. So this is a common thing in churches where somebody decides to be ugly, like Korah, and to assume 
that they should take the leadership or appoint their own pastor. And of course, it doesn't work. God has to appoint the leader, the bishopric, and has to be confirmed by the elders in a congregation. And uh, so Korah, who is the cousin, he decides that he's going to start recruiting all these people. And they confront Moses and say, you take on too much, okay? And uh, they began to rehearse this in the book of Numbers, specifically in the book of uh, Numbers chapter 16. They say, you have taken on too much. We are just as anointed as you. We're just as holy as you. And uh, we think that uh, you're leading us is through a uh, self-appointment. So Moses, uh, you know, he warned Korah and these people that uh, he hadn't picked himself, that God had spoke to him on the mountain. They knew all the stories. And so there's a pretty big rebellion going on here by the time Korah got it going. And uh, next we see that uh, Moses sends for Dothan and Abiram and asks them to come and, and to rehearse their offense. And of course they refused. They were too arrogant. And uh, you can read about all this in number 16 and... Uh, You'll find it very uh, interesting. And they said, we're not going to go up. We're not going to obey you, submit to you, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the, the point is, is that Moses didn't rule through fear, okay? People that rule through fear typically will create rebellion in a church or in a group, okay? But if you rule through love, that shouldn't happen. But you're always going to have individuals that are led by their flesh and not by the Spirit. They lack fruits of the Spirit. Listen. If you study the church of Thyatira in the book of Revelation, Jesus commends people for being in a bad church with bad leadership. Okay, if you've got bad leadership, uh, pray for them. Change churches possibly if you can, but don't start a rebellion. That's not the place of a saint, and that's ugly leadership. So they made the accusation publicly that Moses was uh, taking on too much. So God had to address this publicly. If you have a problem with your pastor, you should go and meet with him privately. Rehearse your offense. Get it put under the blood. If he doesn't repent, if there's some serious offense, then the Bible says in Luke 17 to take somebody with you, a second witness. And if it's still an offense and people agree, then the Bible says to rehearse it in front of the whole church. Now let me warn you about that. Rehearsing it in front of the whole church will create tremendous division. Is that what you want? The Acts 2.30 church, Acts 2.38 church is very rare. It's very precious. Do you want to be involved in tearing it down, the work of God in your community? Or should you find a way to move on somewhere where you can be peaceful and quiet? And that's what God wants us to do. If you've got a fire going on in your head and you have offense or bitterness, and a lot of times when people are offended in the church, it pricks old bitterness from their past. And uh, this is what creates a rebellion. You need to get rid of that. Let God deliver us from that. We need to uh, rehearse our offenses to one another. I know there are preachers out there that say, don't rehearse your offense. That creates division. That's nonsense. Luke 17, 1 through 5, when Jesus told them they had to rehearse their offense and forgive one another, they said, increase our faith. It takes great faith to confront people that have offended you. I don't recommend it unless it's a serious offense, okay? Some things you should be able to endure and just look past. By the way, in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, 1 through 3, the greatest aspect of love 
is tolerance. We need to be able to tolerate bad people, including bad leadership, but we should never lead a rebellion. So God instructs Moses to have Korah and his conspirators appear before the tabernacle and then to put incense in their censers. And of course, that's just simply a, a brass kettle and they are to offer that incense before the Lord. Well, sure enough, Moses uh, separates the people that are for Korah versus those that are not. And uh, they stand away and, and the earth opens up and the conspirators, Dothan, Abiram, Korah and his family, their tents, get swallowed up into the ground, which is a type and shadow of going to hell. It's very serious to be involved in ugly leadership. And then, of course, what happens is a fire proceeds from the tabernacle. Remember, God is a consuming fire. And that fire consumes the 250 co-conspirators that came from all the tribes, leaders of the tribes. God is going to replace those leaders, and he does. In my case, the, the fellow that tried to recruit me to get involved in a conspiracy to replace the pastor, he is no longer in the church. He and his wife left, just as people do as that fire, that consuming fire, consumes them. Keep in mind, if it doesn't happen right away, all right, God is very patient, gives people space and time to repent. If your leader, if your pastor is involved in idolatry or he's leading in the wrong direction, he has problems, if you begin to pray for him, God will do something. But be patient. Don't get involved in a rebellion. Don't actively speak against him with anyone. It's okay to have an opinion. But begin with prayer and fasting, asking God to help in that situation, to restore that man, that woman, to great faith. So anyway, we see that this fire comes and consumes them. And uh, then, of course, a plague begins to come against all of the people. Moses falls on his face with Aaron and begins to intercede with God. And he gets the revelation that Aaron and his sons need to offer incense before the Lord to stop the plague. Now, I have no idea what that plague was, okay? Whether it was bubonic, whether it was COVID-19, I have no idea. But it began to kill people, 14,700. And so intercession stops the plague. When ugly leadership is involved, it plagues the whole body of Christ. We don't want to be involved in that. That's ugly leadership. Yes, there are bad leaders out there. And there are good leaders. Most are good leaders. But when you get an ugly leadership going, you join a conspiracy. Don't be involved in that. And finally, in this episode, we see that God gives Israel a confirmation of who he has selected for leadership. He asks all the tribes to take their staff, a rod, and to write the name of the tribe on the staff. But when it came to the tribe of the Levites, they are to write Aaron's name on the staff. And they do. They carve it in there and then they present it in the tabernacle before the Lord in the holy place. And they return the next day. And what they find is that Aaron's rod, his staff, had budded with leaves, with almonds, and that it was growing, okay? And God was confirming his choice of leadership. They didn't take too much upon themselves. It was God's decision. And that's what people need to do, is that if you have bad leadership and it's time to uh, uh, replace that bad leadership, prayer is the answer, intercessory prayer. 
praying that God would forgive our sins and restore grace to the body of Christ. And it does happen that God eventually will deal with corruption and with uh, uh, evil that might be in the body of Christ. God knows how to take care of his church. episode of Ugly Leadership, we're going to look at the life of Eli, Hophni, Phinehas, Samuel, Ichabod. In 1 Samuel chapters 2, 3, and 4, we see the outcome of Samuel's life. Samuel is brought to Eli the priest by Hannah after he is weaned. Now Eli, we're not exactly sure about his age when Samuel was brought to him, but we do know the age at the age of his death, 98 years old. His, his priestly sons, Hophni and Phinehas, had been appointed to the high priest office, and they were corrupt. Their corruption was twofold. First, when it came to offerings, especially peace offerings, they were supposed to divide the offering between the priesthood, the family of Aaron, and the worshiper themselves. But these men decided to keep the offering all to themselves. They had a problem with greed. The second aspect of their priesthood was that they were immoral. They were caught in fornication with women who would come to the altar to pray. And so Eli had an opportunity to correct his sons. God spoke to him through a prophet called the man of God, as he remains nameless. And then God confirms this prophecy when Samuel comes of age. Let's say Samuel's bar mitzvah. And Samuel is given the confirmation, pried out by <clears throat> Eli. Samuel confirms the prophecy, and Eli is in trouble, but he doesn't correct his sons. So what happens is that the Ark of God is brought out by Hophni and Phinehas as a war tool, as a war spear, so to speak, against the Philistines. But because they're not living right, the Ark is captured. Now. All these people die on the same day, Hophni, Phinehas, Eli, and of course Phinehas's wife who is giving birth to Ichabod. And they all die on the same day. She dies in childbirth. And the name Ichabod means the kavod, the glory of God, has departed from Israel. And it had. It had gone into Philistia. And so we don't see the ark again until David brings it back many, many years later. The issue is this is that leaders must put God above their children. And when they don't, corruption and displeasure comes from God and he will correct it. Now notice, nobody had to start a core rebellion here. God corrected the priesthood himself. And so the lesson is, is that as a leader, we must make sure that if our children aren't living right, that we do something about it, that we don't how do I say it? Put them in the ministry simply because they're our kids. That's nepotism. If they're living right and God does call them, then we need to help them find their calling. However, if our children are not living right, we will create an Ichabod if we don't discipline them.
And now for good priestly leadership, we turn to the man Jehoiada. Jehoiada uh, became the brother-in-law to King Ahaziah. Ahaziah, of course, was the son of Jehoram, as was a woman named Jehosheba, his sister. So Jehosheba made sure that Joash would succeed to the throne of Ahaziah. What happened was Ahaziah died after a year on the throne, and Athaliah, Athaliah, who had been schooled in the ways of Jezebel, because Jehoram had intermarried with the kings of Israel. He had married a woman who was the daughter of Jezebel, Athaliah, and Athaliah was ruthless. And after Ahaziah died, Athaliah usurped the throne, and for six years she was ruling Israel, the only female that supposedly was the queen of Israel, or Judah. And what happened was that she began to eliminate all the offspring of Ahaziah, as, as was done by Jehoram, eliminating his own brothers and sisters. Here was Athaliah eliminating all the successors, and she missed one, Joash. And so Jehoshaphat, the aunt of Joash, hid him with the nurse when she was under pressure by Athaliah to find all the children that were related to Ahaziah. Next we see the priest, Jehoiada, quite a bit older than Jehoshaphat. He and Jehoshaphat uh, married and raised Joash as their own son, but with the help of other priests, hid Joash in the temple. Eventually, after six years of Athaliah's cruel reign in, in Judah, Jerusalem, they revealed Joash. And when the people shouted, God save the king, in came Athaliah, and of course the people of Judah then killed her and put her to death for her cruel reign. And Joash came to the throne. In my own experience, I became aware of an Athaliah in the church whose husband had died, who was pastor. And this woman decided to keep the pastorship, the bishopric for herself, to keep her dowry, to keep the cash flowing. And uh, it's important for churches to make sure that the widow of a pastor is taken care of financially without corrupting leadership or taking over. And this church, of course, began to fall. Uh, the anointed leadership was gone and uh, eventually it fell. So in this situation, if you're in that kind of a church, you need to learn how to pray, intercessory prayer, don't become a rebel, try to be peaceful and quiet, change churches if you have to, but begin to pray and ask God to help in that situation. Now, Jehoiada and Jehoshaphat had their own son named Zechariah, whom Jesus mentioned as being one of the, one of the priests that had been killed uh, at the uh, at the altar in Jerusalem and so we see that they were righteous people who raised their children to serve God correctly now the bottom line is this is that Jehoiada was a teaching priest and he taught the people about the truth about their God and that's what a priest should do the implications are for us as leaders if you're a leader in the Church of Jesus Christ it is our responsibility to raise up in a child the way that they should go now they have a free will even God had a bad son his name was Lucifer 
and that son decided with free will to do what he wanted to do, rebel. And so you can't take responsibility for the actions of another, including your children. However, you can ensure that they get a proper education and understand the Word of God and the consequences of not pleasing God. You can read the story of Jehoiada, Jehoshaphat, Joash, Athaliah, Ahaziah, and Joash in 2 Kings 11 and 2 Chronicles uh, 23. Finally, it's important for us to look at the church in Asia in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, which appear to be the judgment seat of Christ. When we focus on the church of Thyatira, we see that we are commanded to pray for leaders who are ugly. If you're in a church with ugly leadership, what you need to do is you need to be peaceful, be quiet. Be an example. Be a Christian example. Don't start a rebellion. Change churches if you have to, if God leads you to do so. But at the same time, if there is some sort of a uh, cash register mentality in the church where the senior pastor wants to retire and appoints his son to keep the cash flowing, it may not be God's will, but that's not for us to decide. It's for the man of God to do what is right. In a lot of cases, we see that appointing children to the ministry is simply a cash flow technique, but it's not necessarily so. It may be, in fact be God's will that that person be appointed. And so it's important not to become a rebel. And when we look at all the churches that get criticized in Revelation 2 and 3, we find some key doctrines that God is upset about. Jesus uh, is upset about the doctrine of the Nicolaitans conquering the laity, being oppressive, a domineering spirit that pretends to be infallible, that pretends to be Jesus himself. And then, of course, the doctrine of Jezebel, which is what? False worship, idolatry. But it's more than that. It's on to uh, making sure that corrupt children end up in the priesthood, and that's the sin of Athaliah. We need to examine these things, and we need to make sure that as leaders, that we ourselves are not violating those principles. And just remember this, that when we point our finger at what's wrong, we have three fingers pointing back at us. And so it's important to be an example, a good Christian example, and to be able to stay in churches with ugly leadership and be the example that God wants us to be without becoming a rebel like Korah.
listening to LastChanceArc.com, a seven-message podcast series to help you establish your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you.